Welcome to this episode of We the Voters. As always, we work to lift up the issues and concerns that matter most to all of you. If you would like to discuss an issue that is near and dear to your heart, please visit us at our website at pointcast.news and let us know in the comments section. On today's episode, we're talking with author and podcaster George Middleton about the critical race theory, what it is, what it isn't, and what proponents and critics have to say about it. George, welcome to the show again. <laughs> yes, thanks for having me back. It's always good to have you. Uh, I kind of want to jump right into this topic and start with what critical race theory is. Could you enlighten us a little bit? Crit CRT, critical race theory, is the intellectual attempt at understanding race ideology. It does not teach race ideology. It attempts to understand the impact, the systemic impact of race ideology in legal institutions. And it is, is, it is taught in law school. Right, right, exactly. So there, there's been a lot of discussion outside of that space and people not knowing that. Could you, going back a little bit further, uh, could you share some information of, of your understanding of how CRT came about as a, a philosophy of Derrick Bell and others at that time? Uh, you know, I haven't really studied the actual or, origins, the thought process of Derrick Bell and the founders of CRT, uh, because I've really been busy just trying to dispel this notion that uh, this hysteria right now, this mass hysteria that CRT is being taught from uh, in, in our K through 12 schools um, and has everybody kind of chasing uh, a rabbit down a, a rabbit hole uh, where there's nothing to see here. Uh, mm -hmm. the, real the real issue is race ideology where, mm -hmm. where, where we are formally and informally teaching our kids, if we're so concerned about the education of our children, we're teaching them division on a daily basis through the use of our racial identity. Mm -hmm. uh, and CRT is studying the impacts of how that uh, displays in systems. So I'm sure that uh, the founders were most likely coming from a legal standpoint because that's ultimately where this ideology is most uh, impactful is the policies that are made at the upper levels of government and judicial uh, that have a lo long, a broad uh, impact across the country. Mm -hmm. uh, with regard to the ideology of race. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you see the ideology of race and CRT working in concert, if I'm understanding you correctly? Uh, they're, they're two separate entities. Two separate entities, okay. Yeah. Now, in, in, in your explanation earlier, and if I understand this right, the method of teaching CRT has mainly been on the college level, primarily in law schools, I think you alluded to that. Um, and, and, just, and it's meant to really give a better understanding of systemic racism. Um, in the justice system, for instance. But televangelist Pat Robertson um, recently made a comment about it on his television show that critical race theory, or he called critical race theory, a monstrous evil during his Friday broadcast uh, and something that uh, all good people of faith should avoid. How, when people are hearing folks like that who come into millions of households, how are they going to make sense of what CRT is and isn't when they're hearing people say those things about it? So Pat Robertson, I'm not going to say I know exactly what's in his mind, <clears throat> but responses like that usually come from a white identity mindset. Mm -hmm. 
And white identity mindset is very, very fragile on anything that has the perception of portraying quote unquote white people in a negative light. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so the most damaging um, um, conspiratorial aspect of perception with regard to the CRT hysteria is that they are they are saying uh, that CRT is teaching everybody that white people are bad people. And, and, you're, and you're saying that, that it's not teaching that at all. It is not teaching that at all. Okay. Uh, on the same trajectory, Indiana Attorney General Todd Rakita released a document just this week called the Parent Bill of Rights. And this kind of alludes to what you were talking about earlier with various school systems. The Parent Bill of Rights, it includes ways for parents to interact with school boards and review curriculum and state standards as it relates to teaching history specifically. And I'm quoting here, making sure local officials do not sneak in lessons on race and more comprehensive lessons about the country's history with racism in the classrooms. Now, the Indiana Department of Education wanted to make clear that they were not involved in the creation of this 17-page document, but why is there a concern to push out their other, to push out other perspectives and voices and stories from the teaching of American history, and why are so many parents concerned about their children learning possibly a more, uh, a fuller or more accurate version of the creation of this story, of this country, rather. Well, listen to the shift that he very subtly made with regard to that, um, to that Parent Bill of Rights um, uh, proposal. Mm -hmm. uh, looking out for lessons on race, trying to um, dissuade school systems, education systems from teaching any lessons on race. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When the hysteria is about critical race theory, Right. So, so you, you're either trying to ban critical race theory mm -hmm. or you're trying to ban race. And they're counting on people's lack of knowledge about what CRT is and even lesser knowledge on what race ideology is so that they, so that they can use CRT as a funnel to get rid of the actual principles of race ideology. But how is that possible to, to not talk about race? What, what do you say when you get to the parts of, of history, when you talk about um, the Irish indentured servants, the Asians who worked on the railroads, of course slavery, but even talking about the indigenous people who were here, how do you, our, our entire history is about race. How do you even have the discussion? So the issue isn't with the Irish. The issue isn't with the, the indigenous Native Americans. The issue is between black and white specifically. Mm -hmm. The issue is with the cultural group, African-Americans that have been switched into a racial group called, titled black. That's the real issue. So anything dealing with slavery, anything dealing with oppression, uh, those are aspects that they now are trying to create options with which to subjectively say this can stay, this can't. So it's purely based on a subjective process at the whim of white identity. Why does, in, in what you stated earlier, why is there so much fragility or white fragility? What is the fear here that we're not really addressing? 
that's that's the genius of race, of race ideology. Ra race ideology was created in the 1600s by the European who, for justification of the transatlantic slave trade. So he needed this ideology of division so that, because it was purely for economic reasons. So he made up these two labels, white and black, mm -hmm. and assigned different meanings to, to those classifications. Mm -hmm. And when, when society started accepting those labels, then their experiences went different routes. And so the white identity response is designed to repel anything that does not align with the experience of being white. So if you're coming from a black identity saying, I have negative uh, interactions with police officers from the white identity experience, which is just as legitimate because they're both legitimate experiences, they're just different, but it's gonna be really more challenging for the white identity to accept the black identity's experience. Part, and, and large part of it is what we, re, we refer to often as white guilt, right? Because on some level, you know, the average conscious person knows there's some differences, but when you're on the benefit, when you're on the perception or the perceived beneficial side, it's gonna be a little more challenging for you to wanna to acknowledge those differences just because it might upset your own personal environment. Now, there are some critics of CRT that say that it is responsible for the divisiveness that you just described because it is causing white people to look like the bad guy, making children feel poorly about themselves, and causing rifts in the educational environment. How do you respond to that? CRT, that's the one uh, criticism, if I had to have a criticism about CRT, is that it is, first of all, its premise is based on the fact that it's saying race is a social construct. Mm -hmm. So they are, right from the start, devalidating, invalidating the concept of race. So that, so that premise is a healthy premise. However, they don't take this, the next step further like uh, most people who are trying to address race are not um, in terms of devaluing the identity. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's not the people, it's the identity. Mm -hmm. And that's where we're having the, the, the cognitive dissonance and the mm -hmm. conflict because when we're having a discussion, we're framing things in black people and white people. And the reality is that black people and white people are fictitious made up labels that really have no genetic uh, validation whatsoever. But, but there's so much, but there, I'm sorry to interrupt, but there's so mm -hmm. much history and so much tied to what is black and what is white in this country that has not been resolved in a way that uh, makes us feel like one United States of America. Right. So it seems as though in order to get to where you're saying and others are saying we are with, under, with our understanding that race is just a concept meant to divide, we have to resolve the past issues associated with race historically. Right. So, and CRT doesn't seem to present 
a solution necessarily, but an understanding of how it is and possibly how Correct. it may never change. Correct. Right? Correct. So, and, that, and again, that would be my my only critique of CRT. And again, that is not being taught in K through twelve either. None of that is being taught in K through twelve from a CRT uh, paradigm. If if you were put on a committee or hired by a committee of a school board to look at uh, developing curriculum that helped young students, maybe from the grades of three to twelve. Uh, with uh, help, help to redefine or reconstruct how we share or teach history. Now, some people say it affects all subjects, but let's, for the sake of argument, start with United States history. How would you approach it? Would you include some of the things you talked about? Would you include C the CRT model? What what should be included in the telling or retelling? of our American history? Well, well, it's interesting that you asked that particular question because that is the platform of my work. That is exactly what I do. I, I work with systems to help them address race in a more effective way that is aligned with the mission of the organization. And that's gonna look different across organizations and different across systems. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so the process that I've developed is called racial deconstruction. Mm -hmm. So logically, race is a social construct. So in order to effectively address it, it must be deconstructed. Mm -hmm. In order to deconstruct it, you have to be able to objectivize the concept. Okay. And, and so that's why I've I feel the therapeutic uh, mental health model is the best approach because it requires the ability to be objective, to be neutral, right? If you go ahead. But what do you do with all the bad feelings? What do you do with all the distrust? Exactly. Like, <laughs> where do you put that in the model that it's, you're talking you have, about? You have to, you have to take one step at a time. So okay. racial deconstruction is a three-step process. Education, self-reflection, and application. Okay. And so in the education piece, I mean, everybody has to have the same collective platform to stand on if they're working collectively, right? Mm -hmm. You have to be in agreement on what your objective truth is for your organization. Mm -hmm. So that's a process. Uh, because then any decisions you make off of that are going to have relevance and they're going to have effectiveness and not be based off a partisan na narrative, an ideological narrative, you know, or anything that's more subjective in nature. We need objectivity when we're addressing race. Mm -hmm. So it begins with, the, in the education part, it begins with self. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It begins with your own identity. And if you are coming from either one of the racial identities, and that's, this is the hardest part for, for most people to address in my work, because when you're dealing with identity, that is so personal to that person right. that not, not all of us are mentally wired to be self-reflective about the possibility that maybe I'm not black, maybe I'm not white, you know, because a lot of people really believe that race is a genetically valid concept, which it is not. And then they base all of their human service practices and policies off a false concept. And, and this has been a part of our existence for, uh, 
a, a while, a long while. And uh, so this is something that even if we put it into practice today, <clears throat> it's going to take many generations perhaps to undo some of I, the, the damage disagree. that's been done. Well, that's that's oh, part oh, of the art, right? That's oh, some of the damage. Okay, the, dam mm -hmm. the damage, yes. Mm -hmm. Do, you want to speak to that a little bit? Yes. Uh, I, I, I cut you off there, so I didn't let you finish because I, I, I hear the first part of that discussion that That's okay. um, reasoning used in a different way okay. uh, most okay. most most people will say well you know it's not going to happen overnight mm -hmm. well it's 2021 mm -hmm. how many more years are we going you know the country is really at it at it bursting at the seams right now mm -hmm. with this identity crisis and we're going to have to make a decision quickly mm -hmm. and then the actions have to happen in order to support the concept and missions and values of this country mm -hmm. so yeah in terms of damage most the majority of the damage is psychological there's a lot of emotional psychological and physical trauma that yes will take a lengthy time uh, to recover from mm -hmm. but it's also part of the growth you know we're only mm -hmm. 200 and some change old and you know capitalism democracy is a full contact sport as we're finding out mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's rougher when you are or it's more challenging when you're continuing with a false toxic and damaging ideology of division uh, we'll, we'll never get there and so the change of ideology the change of mindset can occur can occur like that based on the person's willingness and commitment especially if you're in service of others if you're a human service provider mm -hmm. in, any, in any of these systems mm -hmm. you're ethically obligated to do your best to serve your client as a therapist if, if I have a client who I, who triggers me, who I vehemently disagree with his or her religious practices, sexual lifestyles, I'm ethically obligated to move that client and refer him or her to another uh, a service provider. So it's, it's so it's not so much about my own personal issues. If I'm in an organization that is is serving our people, I'm ethically obligated to provide the best service possible. You talked about it basically having the mental health community be a part of this discussion, but I'm curious as to whether or not you think that elected officials need to be a part of this discussion. And I say that because <clears throat> former President Trump carried a lot of weight when it came to an understanding <clears throat> of, of uh, the social constructs that you're talking about. And, and for a lot of people has been blamed for the racial divisiveness that we're all feeling, but in all honesty, if you will, that existed before he came into office, Correct. right? It, in order to just be honest there. But because of the type of influence that elected officials can have, do you think that they need to be a part of the process? Uh, and I say generically racial reconciliation. Um, and, and under that umbrella, I don't know if it's CRT, I don't know if it's uh, understanding the false constructs of race and and dealing with that where does it where should it begin and and should they be involved in this it should it should be leadership in all systems leaderships and leaders in banking leaders in government leaders in in law leaders in education uh, leaders in housing and loans right mm -hmm. in all these all of these systemic areas we should be addressing this at the leadership level Okay. The, cha the challenge is economic motivation. 
And it's, it, it's different across all of those systems. But, right. but race, race ideology, it's not about skin color. It's about the belief in skin color. And the purpose of that belief is for economic exploitation. And so often we talk about the, mor- the morality of race and whether it's right or wrong and prejudice and discrimination, but we don't really talk about the economic impact of race because most people aren't looking at it that way. And again, that's how race ideology was designed to have two groups of people, really the same people, we're human beings. Right. But, it, but it, you know, but if we are at odds with each other, then we are not able to work collectively towards our best collective interests. And then that allows systemic leaders with partisan ideologies or other agendas to usurp their agendas uh, more easily because we're not collective as a as a country. So there there are some people who do benefit from this. Really quickly before we have to end, there's been some criticism about uh, some of the things you've discussed today being closely associated with Marxism or communism or socialism. Do you see a connection with, based on your understanding of those concepts with some of the things that you've talked about here specifically, critical race theory? You have to, when, they, when those comments come up, you have to consider the source. If it's coming from uh, a partisan perspective, then you, you understand why they're bringing up Marxism. If it's coming up, if it's coming from an objective perspective, then you consider, you, you look at all of it, right? Uh, just because it comes from Marxism or has a tangential relationship with Marxism or whatever that relationship is, doesn't, doesn't necessarily reflect on the validity of what it's trying to do. But, so but does it, you, but, but does it, in your opinion, come from Marxism? Well, the history says that it was patterned from a, a uh, different theory coming from the Marxist school. Okay. Gotcha. gotcha. But, but that's the history. And again, I have not studied the origins of CRT to give you like the most intelligent and factual based answer, mm-hmm. but critical, but, but to be a critical thinker about this, uh, First of all, if someone's telling you that they're teaching CRT in schools, they're incorrect. If someone's telling you that critical critical theories about telling white people they are bad people, they're incorrect. So, at, at, at and if as you go down the list, if they're incorrect about that, then why are they going to be more correct about Marxism? You know, get it right first. Get it right. You know, stop coming from a um, a, a partisan ideological framework because you're damaging the country. You're benefiting yourself and your own personal goals, but you're damaging the country and there's going to be a price to be paid for that. Uh, what if, you know, this this last year has been just a, a huge year for looking at issues like this and a lot of it um, stemmed for some people from the death of George Floyd. Um, where Derek Chauvin was just recently sentenced uh, in his murder. That, do you see the connection or is there a connection or why is there a connection in your mind with with what happened with George Floyd? Like why was his death as unfortunate and sad and even sickening as it was such a spark for where we are now? Um because the white identity, their reality was shattered to a certain degree. Uh, you know, when you see nine minutes of a knee on the neck with a very callous, nonchalant, 
um, probably white identity police officer um, from from the white identity perspective. You know, white works, white identity best survives on not knowing. White identity has the option of not having to be concerned about things that they're not concerned with. Mm-hmm. With with that George Floyd incident on the news, day in and day out, twenty four seven, they didn't have that option, and so it really impacted their conscience. And I can say personally that I had, as a result of that, I had a lot of people, a lot of organizations who come from white identity, calling me saying, "Hey, we we'll do we're, we want to do something. What can we do?" Because it it was front and center. Mm-hmm. The 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 fear, however, is that um, people react in shock, but as they, as you uh, accommodate yourself to it, you end up going right back to your natural default system. Mm-hmm. So we're that window's closing for us to say, hey, what can we do differently now to get different results? Because that won't be the last George Floyd. And if you see right now, uh, the country is going more extreme. No one's coming to the middle. Everybody's going to more extremes. So it's just going to be black and white, right? Right. How do we not see each other's experiences? How How is it that, you know, for a lot of folks who identify as black by, you know, you, you're powerless in that, right? You're, you're born that way. They tell you that's what you are. They'll fill out the form for you if you don't do it for yourself, as I found out in college, mm-hmm. uh, to protest some of the very points you brought up. But mm-hmm. um, but for 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 people of color, specifically black identifying people, this isn't new and it's frustrating. And it also reveals a certain resentment toward white people for not knowing. How do you not know when we've been, how how did this all just, how did they think black people appeared in this country? Like what? (laughs) So how do you explain when you talk again about your solution for this? I keep going back to resolving some of the resentment that exists right and addressing that resentment i'm i'm probably going to be a hard sell on that point but how would you deal with a a black person who's not finished yet grieving those those moments because some of them we're just now finding out about like tulsa a lot of people didn't know about that there was an actual bombing in the united states on just a black community you know, it's the same thing happened in, a, was it Philadelphia? The the move, it's it's just incredible. What group of people gets bombed in this country? That's yes. a lot to, that's a lot to get over, don't you think? Or, or, or January 6th. Or January 6th, but people seem to have forgotten about that already. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you, I, so that to, resentment. So to, so to your question, all those questions, the answer is, if it's framed in race, there will be no resolution. So let's take Let's take Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. It means well, understand mm-hmm. the intent, but here's the reality. In race ideology, Black lives do not matter. Mm-hmm. Statistically, it's statistically proven. So it's not personal opinion, but we're talking about race ideology. One, one color was designed to be at the top and count the most, and the other color was designed to be at the bottom and be in a total victim situation. That's the identity. So when you talk about black pride, I mean, I know you mean well, but it's the racial oxymoron. Mm. The, the, the identity that was given to dark skinned people by the European was for your mental 
adjustment for you to internalize and uh, and uh, take in the belief systems associated with that. So when you take on black identity, you're taking on the struggle of trying to prove yourself as good as white identity and you'll never do that. Doesn't matter how accomplished you are. Uh, let's take uh, uh, the concept of racial equity, racial unity, racial harmony. That's like trying to take a hammer and use it as a butter knife. Race is used for division. You can't be, you can't play warm and fuzzy with race. If you take on a racial identity, no matter how Christian you are, no matter how educated you are, all these other nice moral things you are, you are perpetuating a toxic ideology and creating, con continuing in the damage and disparities that that exists. Mm -hmm. And ultimately the goal is white supremacy. Now when I say white supremacy, a person who identifies as white might be triggered by that. Mm -hmm. But white supremacy is not meant to be to you individually as a quote unquote white person. It just refers to the hierarchy of skin color. And in any systemic fashion, you'll see the pattern. Black is at the bottom in education, in employment, in finance, in housing and loan, any systemic area we need to survive. In race ideology, it's the pattern of white is always on top and black is always on bottom. There's, there's nowhere in the world where it's reverse nowhere so it's it is a it is a definition of insanity to keep asking for racial equality because it does not exist all you can have is equality and in order to have equality you're going to have to disregard disassociate deconstruct your own personal identity from anything of a racial ideology Wow, that's that's a lot to take in, and I appreciate you sharing that. Uh, that really is a lot to take in, and unfortunately, that's going to have to be the last word on this topic for now. Now, for those of you who want to join in this discussion, reach out to us on our website at Pointcast News. And thank you so much, George, for being with us again today. I really appreciate your voice on this very important topic, and I look forward to hearing more from you in the future. Um, We'd like to also thank our sponsor, Eliad Productions, on their continued support and to all of our listeners and legislators. Keep the conversation going. That's it, good people, and have a good one. And be sure to join us next time.